Uh, I knew y'all never asked me to sing, so I'm just kind of inviting myself, you know, Everybody to sing. Want to raise it. <laughs> and, uh, I don't appreciate a bunch of guys that don't recognize talent. I just don't, yes, don't want to think about you guys. Um, my wife and my mother uh, think I sing beautifully. And, uh, uh, <laughs> Good Wait, to your, your wife is just really nice. <laughs> she is nice. Uh, and my mother's deceased, so that was a lot. <laughs> um, listen, we're so glad you're here. John Norton uh, with Six Fire. We love hosting this thing over the years, and it's just been a highlight of uh, an outreach of Six Fire that we are delighted uh, to be a part of. And um, I'm on um, something called a leadership team to help out occasionally. Matter of fact, they enjoyed uh, speaking a few weeks ago in the place of Phil's uh, a rare sickness. I think he, and in the dozen years we've done this, I think that is the first time I ever remember him called in sick. Phil in HR, he called in sick the day before and said, John, you got to speak. Uh, and uh, But I enjoyed kind of sharing, sharing a little bit of my story uh, that day. And uh, hey, I see a guy back there. Speaking of leadership team, uh, y'all, bring Ron Tisdale. Please bring Ron up here. Don't bring Ron up here. I want to just quickly mention Ron. Um, Ron, uh, I told you I'm in HR. We're having to get rid of Ron. Um, <laughs> his performance has just tanked. And come here, Ron. Come here, Ron. No, come up here. Ron, Ron is one of our key leaders. We, uh, Ron is retired, and, and just like you, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, uh, John, John, back up so you're on the camera. Oh, yes, I'm go. sorry. Uh, <laughs> not you, John, just Ron. Let's all get my singing. I hope you got to see it. Um, no, yeah. Ron, we hope so. Today, um, and he's been here how many years? Here for just over 13. IT for 42 and a half years. 42 and a half years, and 13 at Ceasefire. He's a your director level now, right? And he climbed the ranks. Um, I have not achieved that uh, height. I'm at the C level. I'm R level recruiter. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ron, we we jokingly call this thing the Ron Table. Because That's Ron does so freaking much to make it happen. The tables that are, he's meticulously IT, that kind of mindset. He sets things. If one shares a line, he, you know, at night he comes and fixes it. But, but seriously, the handouts. It was a horseshoe yesterday, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it he turned it into this beautiful arrangement. The handouts, uh, he didn't print them. Uh, Chris Kelly does that, but he, he, uh, he printed those rascals. And he, I, uh, Twisted Marvin in a weeker moment, he and Jeff uh, do the, the paper, the uh, the biscuits, and, and uh, do that billing uh, process. I used to do that for years, and the accounting people just fed me to turn it over to somebody else. Tennessee Orange. That's my problem. It's low on yellow. Jeff. I mean, he just does everything. The biggest thing about Ron is Ron has he loves the Lord. He has a heart uh, the size of uh, that F-150 out there, and uh, he, he – um, he is gonna. What's gonna do in retirement, Ron? Hadn't figured that out yet. No, I have my list. I have my list. It's mainly mom care, grandkids, and then the list. Yeah. So. Yeah. You got. A, you've got a couple of grandkids that live with you and everything mm -hmm. except so. Well, anyway, I love this guy. He fortunately he's gonna still be here, but he's not gonna have access to the building anymore. So give me your uh, badge, here, Ron. <laughs> 
Do we need to go? Computer, do we need to go? Phone and your phone. everything else. Do we need to go help him clean out his desk uh, now? Please <laughs> walk him out. You'll know. <laughs> but we love you, Ron. You are a great man of God and a true brother and a true servant. Amen. I'm going to go with prayer and turn over these guys. Uh, Father, we are so blessed uh, to have men like Ron in our midst and uh, I just have been, been able to associate with him and connect with him and interact with him. Um, he is uh, he has really made so much of the round table happen. And we're going to others um, in his uh, departure. Uh, thank you for this exciting series we're about, Lord. I thank you for Ron's uh, new, uh, Ron Evans' new material, the new book out, Lord. I thank you for, I thank you for the fact that there is a biblical uh, ethic around all of this. It's not the world's uh, teachings, but it is it is your teachings. And so, Father, we just uh, submit to you. We we acquiesce to your leadership, your direction. Uh, Father, we, we admittedly, and unapologetically declare that we need you mm. today in our lives and everything we do, Lord, uh, our conversations and our interactions, our broken relationships, our healthy relationships. And Lord, we just commit our life to you. And thank you. Uh, even as we pray for Ron and his uh, next chapter of his life, we pray for each man in this room, Lord, and ask that you would bless, that you would intervene, that you would superintend. Uh, their lives, and then you would send uh, their, their resources that they need, Lord, and may we all look to you. Come now and delight yourself in these gather, this gathering of men that sit under uh, the word and under the teaching and want to be trained, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, Ron and I are excited to be with you, and we want to continue um, the series, mini-series that we started last week, 50 Ways to Love Your Lover. Uh, so I have a song for you uh, uh, again this morning, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, don't do this. 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover by Paul Simon. May God open up your heart to what he has for us this morning. Words are on the back of your head. Wait. 
you leave your love You just slip out the bed, yeah Make a new plan, stand Don't need to be coy, Roy You just listen to me You hop on the bus, You don't need to discuss much You hop off the key do that that's right <laughs> tongue in cheek uh, rather than do that <laughs> what we want to do is offer uh 50 ways to love uh your lover last week we started and we gave you one through ten and today we continue with 11 through 24 working our way uh to 50 over the next couple of weeks so follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph 50 ways to love your lover. Biblical sexuality is sacred. As I said last week, that may be the most important thing that we say in the few minutes that we have together. Uh, raising uh, the bar uh, on sexual intimacy to understand sacredness, holiness, separateness, specialness. However, many couples struggle to have a healthy view of sexual intimacy. Root causes and ideas that damage a couple's intimacy in marriage will be addressed in this series. We'll go straight to Scripture to discover the God-designed framework for sexuality. So let's go to work. Pick up your pen. And uh, I have three questions for you, and Ronald and I will offer our thoughts. Questions for developing a more sacred view of sexual intimacy. First question, go home and ask, what do you need from me that I failed to give you? Now, don't ask the question <laughs> if you don't want to hear the answer. You know, some of you may need to ask that question and duck because <laughs> the shoe may be flying before the verbal answer is flying. But I would, I, would, I would just offer you that what we're looking for in that question is one of the essential ingredients of the cake mix for sexual intimacy, and that is vulnerability. You cannot have intimacy without vulnerability. So how much vulnerability is there? What do you need from me that I failed to give you? So, um, um, we are using uh, this book as a resource, uh, The Great Sex Rescue by Sheila Gregoire. Um, one of the great things about that book is uh, the surveys that she did with somewhere around 20,000 um, Christian evangelical women. Um, did I go through the questions? Did you get all no, the no, questions? No, 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 Are you no, going to finish those? Yeah, you want to finish those? Yeah. Yeah, all right, let's finish those. I, I didn't know if you had a comment about that. Right. 
Let's keep journaling. Question two. How much exploring and seeking a part of your relational toolbox? Again, I ask you that question, obviously, with the implication that those are important tools. Um, it's amazing how much curiosity, just willing to explore and seeking to understand, will cover issues of reactivity and conflict. What do you like? Are you happy? Again, that's, man, don't ask that question. Seek to understand, explore. Hmm. Help me understand how you got there. When I said A and your response was B, help me understand that because that didn't make sense to me rather than well, why, did, why do you have to be so mad? You know, again, just seek to explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, all these questions speak to the idea of simply uh, beginning to communicate on a deeper level. And uh, if you want to improve your sex life, which I don't believe there's any such thing, uh, because it's all connected, you have to begin to communicate on a deeper level. That's called intimacy. So third question, third question. And again, these, these are, uh, we want you to use this whole series as an opportunity to facilitate um, conversation with your wife. So third question, how skilled are you at esteeming your wife's beauty? You know, I, I have never met an ugly woman who's been esteemed and cared for. Now, I've seen some ugly girls in my life. <laughs> and some ugly guys, too. And some ugly guys, as well. <laughs> Two of them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I got in the wrong line. I got in the ugly line. Um, but when somebody is esteemed, valued, mm. cared for, I'm, honestly, I've seen countenance change. Mm. I've, I've seen a glow come on a face just to be understood. And it's like, how well do you express to your wife care and esteem and gratitude? Um, and again, that is, that is an exercise of beauty. I love what John Eldridge says, you know, that a man's journey is really defined by three things. An adventure to live, a battle to fight, and a beauty to rescue. Or we might even say a beauty to esteem and care for. You know, it is interesting. Um, a couple comes into the office for the first time. Phil has seen this. I've seen this. Um, and it is amazing what happens um, over the course of uh, their growth and awareness and healing uh, because the wife looks beat down. Mm 
Um, she's not necessarily being beaten, but boy, she's beaten down. She's tired. Uh, she is lonely. She is hurting. And as the husband begins to heal, begins to grow, begins to become aware, you will actually see a transformation. Absolutely. And as Phil said, I mean, it's like, boy, there's a glow. There's a change that occurs in her countenance. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. So let's dig in. <clears throat> First Corinthians uh, chapter 7. Last week, the And I wanted to quickly draw the same diagram and then just add to that uh, today. So you can draw this with me um, to um, engage. So the boundary that God has given us, and God always operates with order, and that implies uh, boundaries. So what we're looking at is sexual intimacy. And God has given us a playing field, a football field, if you will, to use that metaphor, in which to um, express um, and live out sexual intimacy. And of course, you know, just to be clear, that playing field is marriage. And when we play outside the boundaries like fourth graders on a Friday night football game. You know, fourth graders don't sit down and watch a football game. What do they do? They get the Nerf ball and they're running around all around the perimeter uh, of the stadium playing football. And so what often happens out here um, in the shadows of the stadium is infidelity outside the boundaries or we might uh, have low emotional connection. There's no real connection, you know. Um, and then outside the, the playing field is addiction issues. And then to me, the one that's most important here is outside the boundaries is low sense of dignity or value. Houston, we have a problem. So we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In the one word, if you're a, a note taker in the margin of your Bible or I like to, to find one word uh, hooks to hang a passage on. The one word, as I begin to read this, that we would hang this whole passage on is mutuality. Mm -hmm. Mutuality. It's so critical that, that in sexual intimacy in marriage is you may have all kinds of views of marriage, you know, the head of the house, the leader of the house, all of that. But when it comes to sexual intimacy, there needs to be a team, both. She's not there just to service your needs. 
You're not there just to service her needs. It's mutuality. Follow with me. Read. First Corinthians 7. Now, getting down to the questions you asked me first, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Because even in the culture there, there was these extreme views. Wow, we've never heard that before. You know, extreme views, you know, um, all kinds of prostitution, incest, fornication, all of that, whatever feels good, do it. Or there was complete abstinence. And that was a debate that was going on in the intellectual circles. And so Paul is addressing that, and he says, certainly, but only within a certain context, i.e., it's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Or we would say chaos, mm. because what you've got out here is chaos. Fourth graders run around with a Nerf ball. Order. Bring order. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. Now, that, that, that's, that's a game changer. And that may be a hard journey. I mean, Carla and I are still trying to figure that out after 39 years of marriage. But that's part of the beauty of it is learning, growing, again, curiosity, exploring, seeking to understand. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. You know, I bring home the bacon. <laughs> I have a right to this bed. Man, it don't work. That is so demeaning, disrespecting, devaluing. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. And then abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it, and if it's for the purposes of prayer and fasting, but only for such times, then come back together again. And Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not, understand, commanding these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. Now, the thing about abstinence is critical when it's mutually agreed to. And this is something that Ron and I work with a lot. Uh, in our counseling practice, when, you know, when the sexual intimacy is in the ditch, we will often prescribe 90 days of abstinence. How does that work? Yeah, it's just simply uh, taking the time to talk about fasting, uh, but, but we're fasting from sexual relations. And part of that is because when things have kind of gone haywire, However, they've gone that way. That's been the deal. It's been some type of fatality. Uh, one of the things that we're to readjust the brain 
because what's going on is the dopamine rush and the high that you get, whether it's porn or affairs or whatever, uh, it's really brain activity more than it is anything to do with like. Uh, you're just going to be in some kind of hypersexual mode. And masturbating since they were 10, 12 years old, and they've never experienced what their actual sex drive is. A lot of guys think that. But in reality, they just stay in kind of a charged up place around that. And if you begin to get sober and the brain adjusts downward, it's like your sex drive may be even lower than you want. But many guys don't even know because they've been in that mode for so long. And certainly the focus during the 90 days is And sexual connection will never down, sobering up, cleaning up, and being able to really see the other person and, and move toward dignity, value, respect, connection, listening, true sexual intimacy, not just having sex. Very critical. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned the one book and uh, I have heard of another book uh, that's um, coming out in August <laughs> and so shameless plug uh, it, the, the book is called Sex, God and the Chaos of Betrayal uh, The Couples Roadmap of Hope and Healing from it does my printer a little low and yellow ink. It's not really supposed to be. Sure it is. I mean, that's going to sell millions. Yeah. Color. Oh, gosh. Um, Rocky topped on the back. Uh, yeah. But, but just with the, the sex god chaos, we've gotten a lot of uh, people that are saying, boy, that, that catches your eye. You know, what's that book about? Um, and I just wanted to read just a quick little piece because we're talking about intimacy and connection. Uh, and here's the part of what is intimacy. The drift when it comes to healthy sexuality and the results 
or should be the byproduct of true intimacy, which is persons with the ability to meet at what we call the show up place. And emotion without so many people in our culture today are lost in this area and don't have a compass when it comes to healthy sexuality. Even the word intimacy from the original Latin word intimus, which means in most did not have a sexual connotation until somewhere around the mid 1600s. Being intimate involves the mixing of your life with another's. It is a mingling of souls and a sharing of hearts. It is something that we all long for because it is how God made us. We are designed to connect. and beautiful expression of love. But we are only lying to ourselves when we act as if sex is proof of love. Too many men demand sex as proof of love, and too many women give sex in hopes of love. We live in a world of youth where we use each other to dull the pain intimacy and physical contact because Is the most important false true intimacy. No more secrets, no more hiding, no judgment. And that's the judgment of a lifetime. That's why, you know, it's so important um, to understand that what God has given us um, as a model of the gospel and as a way to deeply. Connection with him is to intimacy no matter what age you are. Because some of us are a little long in the tooth. <laughs> and it's just like a lot sexual of intimacy. What in the wide, wide world of sports are we doing talking about that? I remember that. That was a long time ago. You know? And then there's others, others in here that's on the front end of that, and we're like chomping at the bit. We're, we're raring to go. But again, we are not so much talking about uh, sex as we are intimacy. And that's what the Bible leads us into. And I'm to show you a clip from a Jewish researcher.
Um, and uh, his name is John Gottman. Did I just lose my son? There we no, go. Um, John Gottman, uh, a book that I would recommend to you um, is Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work. One of the best general God books on marriage. Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work by John Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. Um, brief exposure to him through a couple minute clip. Uh, he nails it uh, in terms of what is sexual intimacy. How does it work? Learned about sex, romance, and passion. And you'd say, well, okay, so, you know, Masters and Johnson did their research and Kinsey did their research, all this research. There's only one thing that discriminates, well, two things that discriminate couples who have a great sex life from couples who have an awful sex life. The first is they stay friends when they have a great sex life. Love maps, fondness and admiration, and turning toward bids. That's what friendship is, okay? Second, they make sex a priority. It's not the last thing on a long to-do list. It's special. They make it important. That's the only thing that's different about couples who have a great sex life and couples who don't. And making sex special, a priority. As we've said throughout, you know, since we began uh, last week, um, what we want to do is use this as a Take you and I years because we can't <laughs> stay. But let me draw your attention uh, on your handout there uh, uh, today, you know, just in number 12. Number 12. Um, talk. Being able to talk about what feels good sexually is crucial in discovering and experiencing sexual pleasure. Sex is better than each other what you want. And again, talking, exploring, being curious, being naked and unashamed is what the Bible gives us as a template as opposed to nude and very ashamed. You know? Um, and it's this idea of just exploring, no matter what age you are, you know. Um, I've got people that I work with that they've got uh, very specific physical handicaps and actual having intercourse um, and, 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 um, and sex is nearly impossible. But we work together in terms of developing sexual intimacy. And that's more about being able to be naked and unashamed, literally and figuratively, uh, being vulnerable, being open, being comfortable with one another, dignity, esteem, value. That's what we're talking about. So talking. Yeah, I think we touched on this last week, but um, one of the things that we often see is how many couples just never, ever 
about sex. I mean, they do it. They, they've got some kids. So something happened, right? <laughs> and then it's like they've never actually talked about it. And really, that is an adolescent, very adolescent mindset. And unfortunately, that's kind of where most couples get stuck in that stage around this part of the relationship. So this idea of talking and communicating around sex and sexuality is critical if you're going to be connected on a deep level, mm -hmm. rather than holding some secret or something that you're ashamed of, you don't want to talk about. And that's the reason why we don't talk about it. Uh, most of us grew up in a home where what we got, the information and the messages, was basically silence. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We learned it from our buddies. Uh, we learned it in porn or something. And then we're just kind of living out some very distorted thinking. Mm. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, there, there is nobody um, that I've ever sat down with, uh, 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 wife, husband, male, female, that doesn't have shame um, mm -hmm. as part of sexual intimacy. It's just part of the uh, of the culture that we live in. Uh, none of us grew up in the perfect home. None of us had the perfect sex education talk with our dads or our, our parents. I mean, uh, as I said, uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about Charles's sex education. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Uh, I, I know, I know his sex education and, it, and it's not the model uh, uh, by any means. But, but shame um, is something that we all um, uh, work to overcome. So um, I want you to look at um, number 18, um, pornography. The message of porn is, I want to use you. And all of us were exposed at porn. Uh, I mean, it'd be very unusual for any man in this room to have not been exposed uh, to porn at an early age in an inappropriate way. And so the message we get is, I want to use you. The message of intimacy is, I love you. Porn has devastating effects on the user and their marriage, but it also hurts the people in porn itself. I mean, it's dehumanizing. Um, so I want you to look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. We jump back to this and... Jeff, I forgot to, uh, to include this in our list of passages, but you guys can follow along as I read. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11, just says this, don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Again, this idea of looking at sexual intimacy outside the playing field. This is no way to live. Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in his kingdom those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex. Now, in your study Bible, um, the actual word is 
by definition, is described in the King James Version, Study Bible, Education, um, Adultery. Um, and it's really the idea of any kind of sex other than sex with your own spouse. And so once again, we're established um, sexual intimacy as being um, a pursuit of one another in love within the boundaries that God's given us. Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, use and abuse the earth and everything in it, don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. A number of you know from experience what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. But since then, you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus, our master, our Messiah, and by our God present in us. Cleaned up. But what that looks like in our uh, counseling practice is, I call it emptying the trash can. Open and honest communication, and it's so yeah, and of course, we're talking sexual shame in various forms, right? Uh, oftentimes, if a is up in a Christian home in a Christian setting, uh, you will get a very, very sex negative message uh, throughout her growing up years, and she become very sex. Shame uh, because there should be no shame around just healthy sexuality. But when you get these messages that say sex is bad, sex is dirty, save it for the person you love and marry. Right? Think about that. Mm. Oh, wow, this bad, dirty thing. I'm going to save it for the person I love the most. Great. Mm. But, but there's a shame piece in there. Mm. And also, too, women have sometimes... <laughs> And boy, that's the stuff you got to weed out uh, because it affects the relationship in a deep way. And it also, we have a hard time talking to our children in a healthy way. so much of our own. Serious focus to get healthy in this area of life. That's why it's so important, guys, to really understand the gospel. <laughs> your kids to talk to them about sex education or your grandson or you know what are you doing talking about your grandson you know with all that shame in your head it's like dude don't ever approach those conversations other than by the grace of God I I do my the best that I know how to sit before you guys, not based on my performance. I am as broken as a left-handed soup sandwich. I never want to stand up here 
um, based on my performance. I sit before you, Ron and I sit before you as best we know how, under the grace of God. Mm. And um, Thank God. we are grateful that God has graciously forgiven us and cleaned up our dirty pockets and not making us of the brokenness that we all experience, I am so broken. And so I approach these conversations with my wife, especially knowing that I'm forgiven by God. And, and it's the gospel that I approach those tender conversations, those scary conversations with. Now, with this, First Thessalonians um, chapter 4, again, such a powerful passage, uh, a guideline. Um, and, and I want you to hear this in a, in a protective way, the way a father would talk to his son or his daughter. God's talking to us in this. And 1 Thessalonians 4, one final word, my brothers. We ask you, urge is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God not in a dogged, religious plod. Religious people make me nervous. I don't want you to be religious. Again, that's performance. But in a living, spirited dance, it's a dance. You know the guidelines we laid out for you for the Master Jesus. God wants you to live a pure life. And then here's the key. Keep yourselves from sexual promiscuity. Just like we talked about last week, sexual sins are worse than other sins. Truly, there are some sins that affect us in a deeper way. You know, you steal a banana at the convenience store. Yeah, you know, that ain't, that ain't cool. You don't steal bananas at the convenience store. But somehow you get sexually abused when you're seven years old. Game on. Mm, right there. Very different than stealing a banana in the convenience store. Learn to appreciate and give dignity to your body, not abusing it, as is so common among those who know nothing of God. Now, again, guys, hear this not as a do and a don't, as a morality issue. I, I don't want you to see sexual um, intimacy as a morality issue. No. It's a value and dignity and respect and connecting issue. It's not a don't. It's like, I want you to experience the very best. Learn to appreciate and give not abusing as is so common among those who know nothing of God. Don't run roughshod over the concerns of your brothers and sisters. God's concerns, and He will take care of them. We've warned you about this before. God hasn't invited us into a disorderly, mm. grungy life, but and beautiful, as beautiful on the inside as the out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important. Uh, I think with many guys that kind of like have this shame piece around uh, just noticing a, a pretty woman, right? I don't notice uh, people, uh, and you notice pretty people. 
You also notice ugly people, right? Like, man, look at that guy. This guy's ugly as a boy. Um, and, and women do the same thing. But I, I sit with so many guys that somehow, like, if I get the I'm lusting. Well, we can anyway. Now, our work is the transformation of our minds. That's where we're doing the past, right? But anyone that thoughts are going to happen, yeah, I moved to fantasy, which we call the play starts on the train into a lust mindset to develop around a lot of will next week. So as we close this morning again, sacred, sacred, sacred. And then the people invited among many others is mutuality. And then we're always fighting against shame. Always. Shame is much more the issue. So chew on that for a lifetime. Go back up next week. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much gift of forgiveness and healing from the shame, the emotional cancer of our sin. May we walk uh, with you, feeling your love, feeling your forgiveness in a way that we can offer that to our spouse and even to our children and grandchildren. Thank you for our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Have a great week.